Welcome to Fresh Art Weekly. New signings, a surprise injury, and friendlies have been announced. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Shot Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Atlanta United have announced its preseason schedule, and four friendlies are on the docket. First up is March 13th against Tormenta, March 20th against Charleston Battery, and March 24th against Chattanooga FC. And those are all going to be at the Children's Hospital training ground in Marietta. And there will be one that fans can possibly make. They do have to run through some hoops a little bit, but that will be March 28th against Birmingham Legion FC. Of course, we played them last year in in Alabama, and that will be there again with limited seating. And so, yeah, there will be some friendlies after all, after we uh, mentioned it last week that, you know, it's a... You know, kind of a conundrum. Do we know if they're going to be playing uh, friendlies? And if they are, it's going to be in uh, the local area. And yeah, definitely has been confirmed now. Uh, Definitely, I think the toughest one would be probably Legion for sure. Possibly Mm -hmm. Charleston Battery. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on, you know, possibly in my kind of leading question that it's going to be kind of a light preseason friendly schedule yeah because you uh you know normally they would maybe try to schedule at least a couple mls opponents or we've seen them even play mexican teams in the past um obviously that's you know that's not going to work this year for logistical reasons um it's actually uh, the opponents are a little higher level than i expected them to be able to pull because you meant last week i mentioned maybe it'll be college teams but uh you know um yeah and shout out to to torment to Charleston and Chattanooga for agreeing to that. And, you know, they're going to make the trip to Marietta and so on. And so that's, that I think uh, will help Atlanta United, at least, you know, in terms of uh, figuring out how they want to play and, you know, people's roles and where people are supposed to be, you know, at least you're pl- playing a, a legitimate opponent. Um, and so it, it, I think it'll be a good test to try out a new tactic, especially the Birmingham Legion match. I mean, last I think it was last year. Um, they made the trip to Birmingham, and it was it was kind of a tough match. So, um, I think also shout out to scheduling Tormenta. You know, they're new, fairly new club founded in 2015. You know, to give them that sort of, um, I guess, notorieties a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, overall, I'm actually um, I have positive feelings about the preseason schedule, considering what it could have been. Yeah, no, definitely. And also, though, that match is coming up very, very soon. It's this Saturday against Tormento. So, yeah, we will have something to look forward to in a sense where if we can watch it, we don't know if there's a stream yet. Uh, there's a lot of questions. Come on, Atlanta United. I know. But maybe <laughs> Do they don't. the right thing. Yeah, but is that the right thing? Possibly, uh, you know, Frank DeBoer right. did not okay. uh, allow, probably, I, I think it was Frank DeBoer, didn't allow their... Uh, games when they were out west to be shown uh, at least very early on and so you know teams can't scout them in a sense and see what they're trying to do 
Uh, I understand it from both ends. Obviously, from the fan standpoint, they want to see the team as soon as possible. So it's definitely kind of a, a little bit of a some subset of the fans, I think, in contention a little bit. But uh, it is uh, something that was mentioned last week in that the team is staying at the hotel. So Jurgen Dom has shown, uh, at least on TikTok, that uh, that is the case. And so they are in a bubble for sure uh, due to the pandemic, obviously. And so, uh, you know, them facing any of these teams, uh, they, I assume, will have to be in somewhat of a bubble as well to face any of them. And uh, that should, I think, bode well in that hopefully we don't get any cases like some of the other teams uh, around the league have already gotten. So, uh, you know, you don't want any of our already pretty, like, uh, we'll find out very shortly uh, with, you know, injuries or any sort of uh, things like that because of, you know, the pandemic could affect uh, the players that we could select. We don't want any of that. That's for sure. But uh, anyway, let's move on to uh, MLS. will announce on Wednesday afternoon the season openers for every MLS team. That's according to Stephen Goff. Uh, but there will be the, uh, the full schedules later, probably about two weeks. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, you know, the season's going to start. And, uh, you know, about two weeks after that. So, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess we're probably not going to be able to go to the games. That's, uh, you right. know, that's yeah, a foregone exactly. maybe at this point for those early ones. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good to know that uh, those openers are going to be announced shortly. Uh, yeah, we're filming this pretty much on a Wednesday afternoon. So, or sorry, uh, morning rather. And mm-hmm. so uh, we shall find out. But uh, let's move on to that injury that was announced on Tuesday night. Uh, pretty much the player himself announced it, which uh, yeah, is always kind of a oops. But uh, And then the team shortly after posted something about it. But Mo Adams, unfortunately, uh, had a sports hernia surgery. Uh, yeah, he has been dealing with that for some time, apparently. Uh, some eagle-eyed fans has have noticed that he wasn't really in part of any of the uh, media packages. So, uh, yeah, he did say that uh, he was thankful for uh, the surgery. He can't, can't wait to attack my rehab and get back out there soon. Minor setback, major comeback. But, uh, yeah, LA United, they did uh, pretty much post that there is a four- to six-week recovery period. But do you think that this leaves our midfield depth a little thin. What do you think? Mm, I'm not sure. I mean, so you've got the numbers right now are Sosa, Ibarra, uh, Heidman, Hosetu, uh, mm-hmm. and then maybe Moreno as a central midfielder in that sense. So, yeah, you have five guys and really only maybe two true defensive midfielders uh, in Sosa mm-hmm. and Ibarra, so... You know, they will be relied on heavily, and will they be even playing in the same matches then? Because you might need to spell each other in that sense. Yeah, what do you think? But then you also also got the sense that Sosa and Ibarra would play together, you know? So, uh, obviously, we'll see the preseason, I think, will maybe uh, give us some clues. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I think we definitely can't, we probably can't afford to lose another player. Um... 
but I think we're probably okay for the for the first four weeks, which I guess will be the length of time that he's out. Um, I think we should be able to weather this, barring uh, no further injury to the midfield. Yeah, and that's knock on wood the hope for sure. Uh, I think personally for me, uh, because Mo Adams is probably our most defensive of the midfielders. Um, that leaves yeah. us with only, I think, mostly Sosa as the, the most defensive one. And both Sosa and Ibar are super young and new to this league. Uh, mm-hmm. Heinemann is a little bit more of a central midfielder. And Husetu definitely as well is probably the least defensive of all of them. So, you know, we, uh, I think, kind of, yeah, is a little bit of a conundrum, uh, I think, early on, in my opinion. But... Uh, moving on from that, Atlanta United 2 head coach Stephen Glass is uh, apparently the bookies' favorite, at least according to the Scottish Sun, uh, to land our sister club Aberdeen FC's manager gig. And uh, very interesting indeed. Of course, uh, Glass was a former uh, Aberdeen player and uh, definitely showed out for them for a number of years and uh, is a guy that's so in that sense, very familiar with that club. Uh, what do you think of Glass? Uh, you know, being linked with this job uh, in a sense through, you know, people that are betting. But uh, you know, if he actually was able to actually get that gig, uh, what do you think? Um, I mean, it would definitely be a step up. You know what I mean? Uh, I think uh, any anytime you can get uh, top flight professional experience. Um, you it's it's an opportunity and uh you know we may not think of high as highly of spl as we once did but it's still a league with a lot of history um what i found interesting as well in terms of like the bookies uh list or whatever is that neil lennon was one of the candidates and neil lennon has managed in the premier league and he's managed celtic uh so the fact that he's not the favorite for the aberdeen job um and steven glass is i thought i don't know that was just interesting to me but uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, like if he does, if they do offer him the job, I would not be surprised if he took it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, reserve. All right. Yeah. Managing a reserve squad versus managing a Scottish Premier League side. I mean, and that, you know, he was a big part of as well. Yeah, I think he would probably very, very quickly take that job. I mean, that's uh, without question. And whether you thought he did a good job with the first team or if he does a good job with the second team or not, uh, definitely that's yeah, a step up, obviously. Uh, I think he uh, got a little hard luck definitely in the uh, – yeah. You know, the, the first team as well, not having Joseph, pretty much having to put out fires left and right. Uh, and, you know, the squad itself, probably our least talented of any of our years. So, And it's this too. I mean, like pretty much, it seems like pretty much the moment that they fired DeBoer, they were in touch with Ente not long after that. Yes. And so it's like he w- he was basically a placeholder and he knew that. Like he was just... Um, you know, trying to manage a difficult situation. So I definitely empathize with him. And uh, I don't think like his record with Atlanta United should be held against him at all. You know, that was more of just uh, trying to get through a situation. And I think he did the best he could. And I, I don't really fault him for too hard for um, for any like major decisions that he made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And also that 
his LNA2 record, obviously, he has dealt with where he pretty much doesn't have a consistent roster. It's mostly a lot of academy kids or homegrown kids that are trying to make their uh, you know, their name and trying to grow their talents. So it's definitely, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, for those people that don't love excuses, there are a lot of excuses here. I think that I think <laughs> hold water. So, uh, but anyway, let's move on to, uh, yeah, something that, uh, kind of adjacently has something to do with our club, uh, inter Miami, uh, are being investigated for the, uh, transfer in of Blaze Matuidi, where, yeah, you know, he was a TAM player, but how he was a TAM player is very fascinating. And so the league is going to be uh, <laughs> investigating that Jeez. for sure. But uh, Jeff Carlisle of ESPN and uh, Doug Roberson of AJC did report that the, uh, yeah, <laughs> the current VP of Soccer Ops, for us in Paul McDonough, who was, uh, yeah, one of uh, the president of uh, soccer ops for Inter Miami, uh, is not going to be uh, investigated. He's not a target, uh, even though he was at that time their sporting director. So, uh, yeah, good on that because we don't need yeah, any right. drama near our front office. Um, Seriously, <laughs> you made a you I mean, made an expression. So I, I assume you have some thoughts on this. No, I just, uh, Inter Miami is such a disaster. Like, it has to be said. I mean, you know, like, I want to give them a chance. They're still young or whatever, but it's just one of those, it's just another one of those, like, it's coming off as, like, an MLS vanity project, right? And I think they've been guilty of this in the past, where it's like, ooh, a major market. Yeah, we want a team in this city. Sure, Chivas. We'll let you set up in LA. How long did that last, right? Like, NYCFC. Still playing in a fucking baseball stadium. And then this Inter-Miami thing, they don't play in Miami, right? They, you know, the kits are, I think the kits are boring. Uh, and the players that they've signed are Seattle just... Seattle did it better. <laughs> yeah, they really did. I love that kit, man. Yeah. Like, when you say you're going to have pink in your kit, and then it's just, like, outlined on a black kit, like, come on, man. Yeah. And then, like, you know, we're going to bring this player and that player and that player, like... You still have to be a good team. It can't just be like, oh, we're the jewel of Fort Lauderdale. Like, come on now, man. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just don't see... <sighs> I don't wish this on anybody, but I really don't see Inter Miami making it 10 years. I Whoa. I don't know. Ooh! I think we just found the headline of our uh, of our episode. <laughs> you would. Oh uh, no no no. Uh, maybe. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> moving on. Uh, so the MLS transfer window also opens on Wednesday, as well as some other things that will be announced on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, really uh, some more inter or intra MLS things could happen. Uh, there is some talk that, uh, at least from Felipe Cardenas, that you know we could be looking at other teams for center backs, uh, but there is a lack of kind of really good ball playing center backs that we would really, I think, pony up in that sense for as well. Uh, and then you know, in that sense, like why would we do that? We can probably find some cheaper talent uh, from other leagues. So yeah, we'll probably. Avoid some intra MLS type of uh, action there, but nonetheless, the transfer window does open, 
And uh, so moving on from that to confirm from last week, uh, pretty much uh, we talked a good bit at length about the failed transfer. Uh, possibly it is confirmed. Lotaro Gianetti uh, has returned officially to Velez Sarsfield. And that was per the club's Twitter. And uh, it was due to that failed medical. So Atlanta United chose not to complete the transfer because of that ACL uh, apparently there were some complications in the surgery that they just didn't like what they saw. And so it, uh, yeah, the Atlanta United doctors have, uh, nixed this deal in that sense. And, uh, it's very fascinating because now, yes, we are still looking for that international center back to complete our back line. And, uh, yeah, now everyone knows that we need one and, right. uh, how long we can go without uh, bringing one in, that will be the question for sure. Uh, what do you think that we do? It's either, I mean, a search for like a week or so, right? Or you may have to bring back Mesa. I mean, um, that'd be awkward. He, he's so <laughs> awkward. I know. That's the thing. And he's yeah. like clearly not the fit for. Um, at least the sense I'm getting is that he's not yeah. the fit for uh, for Ince. So, yeah. uh, walks. Uh, Do you think walks starts and uh, you know we just kind of maybe uh, kind of hold I, off until summer or something? I maybe. I mean, like uh, you're talking about like what two or three months. So it's a risk, and then it leaves you thin at center back. You know, George Campbell might have to play sooner than we expect. Um, I mean, like. I will on that note. I will say like I'm, I'll be open minded about young players, right? You know, like they're just unproven. It doesn't mean that they're not good. Um, so I would I would love if like George Campbell surprised us, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't want to like throw him in the fire, put that pressure on him. And so, mm-hmm. ooh, <laughs> it's yeah, difficult, man. It's right. really difficult. <laughs> I just right. I, I just think they're so unlucky in uh-huh. this regard, you know. Definitely, because uh, because to be done hard done twice. You know, in terms of trying to address center back, ah, yeah, yeah. Does it so, exacerbate yeah. a little bit of our offseason moves uh, in the depth? Say, uh, you know, in the likes of okay Mesa, of course, but also maybe like a Lawrence Wyke, who maybe isn't going to play a huge part anyway, but still uh, a little bit of promise there. Um, you know, he showed a little bit of his ball playing ability, um, but also uh, you know Franco Escobar, who is another one yeah. of those players that can play center back and, and unfortunately he got injured with Neil's old boys and so you know so. that's kind of just a whole slew of just really unfortunate events and really accordance to our uh, center back uh, depth that's now yeah we're going in with two senior uh, center back options and pretty much yeah we're kind of hoping really I think after that and so yeah we I think in my opinion definitely need to bring in someone ASAP and uh, really kind of solve this problem but anyway uh, let's move on to uh, a new player that uh, or not new player but a new signing in a sense Uh, Atlanta United 2 goalkeeper Ben Lundgaard has been signed to an uh, senior team contract. He's a 25-year-old goalkeeper, 6'5". Uh, Boca said that 
Ben has been a model of consistency uh, and hard work since joining LAI2, and he's earned an opportunity with the first team. He's still young for his position and has a great opportunity to learn from our current group of goalkeepers while providing additional competition. Uh, and he will sign a one-year contract with two additional option years. So, uh, you know, 25-year-old, 6'5", uh, promising goalkeeper in a sense. Like, he, yeah, has made some really ridiculous saves as an Atlanta United 2 player as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, our third goalkeeper, pretty much, uh, that we finally have kind of, I guess, promoted? Uh, that last line from uh, Bocanegra, I think, is the key for me, uh, providing additional competition. I think that's mainly what this move accomplishes. You know, sure. uh, he's 25 years old. He's, you know, he has experience with twos, um, and so I, de I think he'll definitely, he should be competing for that number two spot with Ali Khan. Um, and it's just, I think, it's good sense just to have uh, three goalkeepers on the roster just in case something happens. So, Always. Uh, we don't yeah, want a yeah, Kyle so. Rainish situation like we've had before or <laughs> uh, even before that, Paul Christensen, uh, where people are right. forced into action. Uh, yeah, so. we got to make like a mid-season emergency signing or whatever. Yeah, let's, you know, if we can avoid that, that'd be good. Uh, or uh, John Terry playing in goal type of situation. Um, <laughs> yeah, in the past, it probably would have been like LGP, but he's no longer here, obviously. But uh, he... <laughs> He obviously always played, I think, uh, in training goalkeeper, but uh, when they would switch around and all that. But uh, anyway, moving on from that, another new signing, uh, at least very short-lived uh, signing in a way, uh, that will actually play a part in this first team this season. Andrew Gutman, who, uh, if you might recall, we drafted in that supplemental draft. Uh, he has been signed from Celtic on a three-year contract with an additional option, but uh, he was subsequently sent on loan to New York Red Bulls uh, because they're looking for that depth and they're looking for someone that could pretty much take the place of Kamar Lawrence that has pretty much uh, been a gaping hole in their lineup, it seems. But uh, yeah, and it's uh, pretty much for a natural third-round selection in the 2024 MLS Super Draft and $50,000 in 2022 GAM uh, if certain performance conditions are reached. But uh, yes, it looks like for me that he's kind of a, a player that we're going to stash at New York Red Bulls to give him some playing time. And if and when we sell George Bello, then we will have kind of a ready-made player that has experience in MLS uh because, yeah, he is an attacking fullback. He uh, would be kind of, you know, hopefully uh, be in line of that type of player that we want to bring in that can play our type of system. New York Red Bulls, obviously, yeah, not exactly our type of system. So perplexing yeah. maybe in terms of the club he moved to. Uh, well, he will, uh, you know, learn how to press. That's for sure if he hasn't. Right. Uh, but, mm -hmm. yeah, what are your thoughts on Gutman? I will say real quick on him being in Red Bulls, uh, he should at least get involved in the attacking play. Um, generally speaking, though, I mean, I think, yeah, the explanation that he's a long-term possible replacement for Bella, I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Um, it's just an interesting series of moves, you know, like trading with, I believe it was Cincinnati for that supplemental pick. Yes. Um, and then using it on this player that, you know, is not even going to be with us for this season at least. So... Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens in the future, but 
um it definitely seems like you know Ellie and i are just affording themselves a little bit of protection having like a long-term plan in place in case uh you know certain transfers happen mm -hmm. indeed uh so uh on to so, <laughs> this one i think is a big head scratcher uh if the previous one didn't make some people head scratch this one definitely i think makes a lot of people head scratch uh so a transfer rumor came in uh, today on Wednesday. Uh, LA United reportedly are interested in River Plate forward Matias Suarez. He's a 32-year-old forward, uh, and he apparently, the forward, says that he'll stay at River Plate. Uh, he's not interested in moving. Uh, and that's according to Passion Monumental. Uh, yes, this player does have a market value of $3.5 million, and he did have seven goals in their 2019-2020 uh, Superliga. So, yeah, he probably has been one of their best players on their squad as well. It's very strange why we would really try to bring in another forward. What are your thoughts, Mark? Can he play center back? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the fact that we're raiding River Plate again uh, has a lot of right. people talking as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, our forward line and our forward depth, I mean, we have, uh, I think, by my count, at least six players or something that, uh, you know, would be in line. Joseph, Licha Lopez, Eric Lopez, uh, Kubo Torres, Jackson Conway, Mashap Chol, uh, that's, yeah, like why would we need that? I mean, it's maybe to overcompensate for the lack of forwards we had last year, possibly, right. which is just like, yeah, we got exposed for sure uh, last year for, for that. But uh, yeah, do you, like, does this make any sense whatsoever to you? This is, I think the one thing angle I could see it from is like, maybe if you're looking at, uh, the current options that we have those players you just listed you know i guess in theory there's a bit of a caveat for each one you know joseph coming off of injury lopez being 37 um or, sorry lucho lopez being 37 um and then eric lopez you know like just still kind of being a new player um young player the chol and conway are also young but i mean like it's i think that's good depth and i think you have good variety in terms of your forwards as well so i'm not sure how much more you can add to that with another player yeah i don't i don't get this one yeah definitely uh and so we'll see what happens on this one this is uh yeah i think it's already not going to happen anyway so it's a uh, right. very very strange nonetheless but speaking of another river plate player at least a river plate two player Matias Benitez, the uh, rumored uh, forward as well, is already seen in training uh, with Santi Sosa because he posted it on his IG story. And uh, whoopsies, uh, <laughs> it's definitely, <laughs> you know, he hasn't been announced. Uh, and yeah, Benitez, uh, yeah, clearly is in Atlanta United gear and uh, has, yeah, you know, it's just going to be. I think he's going to be an LA 2 player, but still, uh, you know, I think there are a slew of, uh, you know, rumored players that have not been announced. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, I guess. We'll, uh, mm -hmm. we'll wait when that happens. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, so Darwin Mateos, uh, another guy that's rumored, he uh, apparently has been in training as well. Not seen on any IG stories, uh, but Chris Smith... 
uh, says that he's been there for almost about a week, uh, and he's impressed Hainze. Uh, he's been sc he's scored once, hitting the post twice in some sort of training match, but Mateos says that he is eager to put on the Atlanta United shirt and to be unveiled. There are some hitches in the deal to sort out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the league is still uh, maybe approving a lot of these deals. So right. these will take some time. That's totally understandable. Right. But uh, it is, yeah, fascinating nonetheless that, you know, <laughs> there's so many players that are already training that they're just uh, they're itching to, uh, to post stuff in a way. And uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of the, the era we live in that leaks right. will come out. Leaks will definitely come out. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so moving on to something that's a little uh, Atlanta United adjacent in our play-by-play -play announcer on Fox Sports, Kevin Egan, or as he's being known as on WWE, the wrestling network, uh, he's being known as Kevin Patrick. And he will join WWE as a backstage correspondent on Monday Night Raw a play-by-play -play commentator on the WWE main event and as a host of Raw Talk. Congratulations to Egan. That's like a huge gig, really, I would say. Um, and who knew? I mean, yeah, there. I think there are a lot of, uh, at least, I mean, I personally don't follow WWE on a consistent basis, but I have followed it in the past. And oh, there yeah. is some likenesses <laughs> to... Soccer fans and WWE fans, I would say, or just wrestling <laughs> fans in general. It's very right. odd. It's like, I, I guess it's like a very ESPN 8 uh, kind of the Ocho type of, uh, you know, <laughs> type of thing where, you know, we're all, I guess, uh, very into the more obscure type of uh, sporting entertainment, possibly. But congrats to Egan. You have any thoughts on uh, Egan getting that job? Wait a minute, that's Kevin's music. By um... <laughs> God, is that Kevin's music? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. JR. Uh, very excited yeah. for I mean, yes. like, yeah, I also grew up a fan. Um, I think I was, well, that was called the Attitude Era or whatever. Sure. But, uh, right, yeah. What Good was your favorite wrestler? Or who was your favorite wrestler? Gosh, I mean, I was definitely a rock fan. Of course. Definitely, uh, his, his, uh, his mic skills are legendary oh my gosh so like he was the the supreme entertainer it was great yeah um undertaker let's see nice. came before the mask before he unmasked <laughs> yeah there's definitely a few man uh, mick foley mick foley like mick foley, he, hell yes he had like three different characters mankind great. yeah exactly cactus yeah. jack of course of course and dude love dude love yes <laughs> Uh, mine oddly is uh, is Shawn Michaels. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, it was something about the uh, that super kick. I think uh, always did it. Oh my like, gosh! There's yeah. just so much drama with it. Um, yeah, and he obviously as well though uh, had a lot of controversy, and uh, you know also with the DX stuff. And uh, I, w I wasn't in love with the DX stuff, but I liked him as the heartbreak kid when. You know, he's that underdog. Mm -hmm. He's that guy that, you know, uh, going against Big Diesel and, you know, pinning him and winning the title and that type of thing. That's mm -hmm. like, I'm more for the underdog, I think, uh, in a lot of senses. Uh, even though for LA United, I don't care. I want to be an evil empire. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. It's more fun that way. What, I, I one so. more shout out. 
because yeah. we're fucking talking about it right uh yeah. i have a huge appreciation for the hardy boys especially in uh. retrospect like some of the stunts that they did were ridiculous and you know <laughs> they they must have like broken bodies at this point like i don't know oh, you know like yeah, but the matches they were involved in the table ladders chairs match when they started doing yeah. that it was like <laughs> oh man i don't they, still, they like, took the stunts to another level it's great oh absolutely yeah they, all the aerial uh guys were always impressive to me as well but I, yeah i don't mm -hmm. know if jeff hardy is still wrestling but uh yeah his body must be just just mm. tarnished by now but uh because it you know while it's fake it takes a lot of punishment but oh, anyway no, listen yeah <laughs> fake is the wrong word for it man those guys are getting beat up <laughs> oh yeah well well it's uh i guess you know fake is the wrong word oh, it's no. uh it's more that uh i can't think of it anyway right now but it's that it's no, yeah, yeah. somewhat uh you know choreographed in a in a way too yeah and, for sure but that's enough uh wrestling talk for now <laughs> <laughs> and Just uh reminiscing a bit yeah indeed uh it's a short episode so you know we're uh we're kind of going off the rails a little bit so no big deal <laughs> but anyway uh let's talk about how mls is standing up for the hate against asian and pacific islanders uh that's something near and dear to my heart obviously uh if you're just a listener and you've never seen my face surprise i'm asian but uh <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as their fight to fight, uh, that's redundant, but as part of their fight towards racial uh, equality and social justice, it's good to see that MLS is doing this. If you don't understand, yes, there has been a lot of, uh, yeah, social injustice against Asians and Pacific Islanders during the pandemic and a lot before that, obviously, as well, so... It's good to see that they're bringing more awareness to it. This does not take away from any other race. Uh, it should be noted. It's just like mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter that there isn't anything being taken away. Uh, it's just more awareness. But anyway, yeah, it, it would ahead. be a real shame if anybody thought that that's what that was about. I mean, like we should bring awareness to what's happening to uh, our, you know, our Asian American friends. Um, people getting harassed, you know, on the bus, you know, or just going to work or, you know, like just going about their business. And then, the, you know, people getting blamed for a virus. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's sad. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that MLS put that out. And uh, I hope they take actionable steps towards that as well. Yeah. Appreciate that uh, for saying all that. But yes, that does it for the news and gets us to our question of the day. Our question of the day is, who's in your starting midfield if we had to play this week? Which we do. So, uh, let us know who, if it's you know one lone pivot or if it's a double pivot, who is in that starting midfield? Uh, because I think we are a little short. But let us know in the comments below. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.